just come back, which I'm going to start with from the Elim. Well, it's not the Elim Conference anymore. It's Elim Bible Week. And uh, I'm going to have to let my Bible shut. It won't stay open. And um, we, we just booked a hotel because they've moved its venue now from um, the joys of the chalets of um, Pontins to um, <laughs> the Telford um, International Centre. And the, the, the surroundings are so much better. The, the set-up, the programme, the way they've approached it this year is so refreshing. It was tired. It needed refreshing. But we have to stay in hotels. And, of course, you can imagine with, you know, um, all these people uh, booking to all coming to Telford um, for the Eden Bible Week um, and being, Adrian and I being our usual selves, we didn't book it that early. So we go online to find a hotel we can get into and... And um, we found one. But you know, it got good because we go down for breakfast in the morning and there we are look, overlooking the pitch of Telford United Football Club. And our hotel is attached to the, to the club and it's got all the facilities of it. And there we are watching the groundsmen sorting out the pitch. God just knows what I need, doesn't he? In fact, Adrian wasn't in the least bit bothered. He's neither here nor there. I was. <laughs> anyway, I was just going to um, start with um, something about conference because... One thing about going to conferences, you meet up with people that you haven't seen maybe for the whole year. And I love that part of it. I love the teaching. I love everything that goes with it. But to just catch up with folks you haven't seen, people I was in college with, people I've been in ministry with through the years, maybe gone to India or Rwanda or places like that with them. And to see them all, it's just great. But the, the thing that struck me this year was, you do the usual things. Oh, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? You know what you go through. Everyone I haven't seen for a year, and I mean it to a person, every single one said to me, well, I've got to say, Annette, you do look good. You didn't look good last year. Or you look better than you looked last year. (laughs) I can't help it. I've had my hair done since then. The reality was, for the first part of last year, I was ill. And uh, just one infection after another, one thing going wrong in my health after another, till I was absolutely fed up of myself. And you just seem to be going to the doctor, sort of people, how are you? You sort of say, well, I am well, but, you know, and uh, you do things and you're not on par. And I just spent the first half of last year not well. Now, I hadn't realized that this obviously showed. I just knew I was off and I was getting infections, but it must have showed because everybody I hadn't seen for a year said, I've got to say, you look better than you looked last year. Or you look great this year. I can't say you did last year. And uh, I hadn't realized how much it must have shown in my body. But it obviously had. Now, there was a reason for all this. Um, because I hadn't realized that inside of me, rotting away, were my appendix. And um, it was causing me to have all sorts of illness. And we're going to talk about that illness tonight. Isn't that wonderful? I thought I'd cheer you up. I'm not going to show you my scar. I'm going to spare you that. <laughs> I shan't be displaying that. But when I lay in hospital after having my appendix out, the hospital chaplain came to see me and we were chattering away about things. And um, I made a statement to her that just struck me and it's, it's kept in my spirit and my mind ever since. And I was talking to her about the pain of the appendix, which was, I'll come to in a moment, was awful. But then I said to her, it's a different pain now. It's the pain of healing. And it's a different type of pain altogether. It's a pain of hope. It's a pain that has an end to it. It's a pain with a purpose. And there's a pain of healing. And you know, I remember the surgeon commenting to me after taking the appendix out that what a squat, ugly beast it was. (laughs) He said it had never actually formed properly in my body and I hadn't got a proper appendix. And he says, why it's taken 20, oh, that's probably understated, 40 years to play up. 60 years to play up. He says, I don't know. He says, but obviously it's had 
And over those months before, it really was playing up, but I hadn't realized what it was doing to my health and to me, to my looks, to everything about me, to how I felt, who I was, was this thing rotting away inside me. And I just, before I move on and talk about the pain of healing, I, I want to just talk about the parable of the appendix, if you like, because why this thing was, was doing its work inside me, which wasn't good work, it was making me ill, it was pulling me down, until eventually, if I hadn't got it seen till that day, it would have led to my death. And you know, the Bible often refers to what the sin in our life can do to us. And it's a very similar parallel. We can't take everything to its ultimate. But the Bible often refers to sin as being like having leprosy, something that's eating away at us and destroying us and uh, is not good for us. And the reality is the Bible says that every one of us are born into sin. Now, we don't like that word these days, do we? You don't hear it much on the television or in the papers or, or, or what have you. We talk about, you know, moral lapse or something like that. We don't like to call sin, sin. But the reality is that everything we do in life that offends God is sin. There's no nice way of wrapping it up. We can call it forgetfulness. We can call it lack of self-control. We can call it a moral lapse. But in reality, it's sin against God. God gave us the Ten Commandments. And they are how we hold God in our lives, the position we give to him, and how we regard one another. Not to steal from one another, not to cover what other people have, not to take our neighbor's husband or wife. All these things. Love God with all our heart and all our soul. And the Bible says quite clearly, it makes no exceptions, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And just like this rotting appendix inside me, sin rots away at us and affects who we are. God created us in his image to be like him. But the minute sin begins to ravage our bodies and our minds, it affects who we are. And it begins to eat away at us and and change who we are. And there's only one way that I could get rid of that appendix, and that was to have it totally removed. No use putting a bit of ointment on it or a sticking plaster. It needed removing, taking right out of my body. And there's only one way to be free of sin in our life. It may be that you know that you have a problem with something. Good gracious me, I've lost my temper again. Well, it's just me. My dad was like it. I'm like it. It's just who I am. I've run out of money again and I've had to sort of just borrow it. Easy term, isn't it? It's just how we are in our family. The Bible calls it sin. And anything we do that's an offense to one another... An offense to God begins step by step to destroy us. And there's a verse in Romans which says that there is a wage, there is a payment. Let's turn to Romans 6. If you have your Bibles with you, it's only a couple of verses we're going to look at. Romans 6, verse 20. And I'm reading from the message. And I love the way it puts this in the message. Romans 6 and verse 20. As long as you did what you felt like doing... Ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing. You're proud of it now. Where did it get you? A dead end. But now you've found you don't have to listen to sin telling you what to do. 
and have discovered the delight of living to God telling you. What a surprise. A whole healed, put together right now, life right now, with more and more of life on its way. Work hard for sin, your whole life, and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. If you, if you and I continue in our sin, just as if I continued allowing that appendix to rot away inside me, it will kill us. There is such a thing as eternity. There is a heaven to be gained and a hell to be avoided. Now, I can't tell you what hell is like. Thank God I've never been there. But the Bible tells me quite clearly it's a place where there is no presence of God. There is absolutely nothing of God there. And if you imagine anything of beauty and quality and worth and value in this world of creation, of light, of music, of anything, poetry, all the good things of this world, without God, then that is hell. The only thing that can bring us back into that right relationship with God is to have that sin totally removed from our lives. Now, there isn't a patching up, putting on of a plaster. We tend to think, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I've not murdered. I'm not sexually abused. I've not done all the terrible things that some people do. Oh, I might have told the odd lie, and I might have got angry, and I might have felt awful towards somebody else, but come on, what as bad as them? But it's rotting away and causing us to get further and further from God. And the Bible tells us quite clearly that the, pain, the payment, the wage for that, is death. It's eternal separation from God. And he created each one of us to be in relationship with him. I cannot now imagine not being in relationship with God. At the age of 11, I realized for the first time that I was a sinner. I knew at the age of 11 that I was a sinner. Children learn very early, don't they? To be disobedient, to want their own way, to abuse others. It's mine! But we carry on doing it. And we don't realize the damage it's doing to our spirit, to our lives, to those around us, even to our bodies. It can bring pain. It can bring suffering. And there's only way we can be free from that is to have it totally removed. Because God created you and I to be in relationship with him. At the age of 11, I heard the gospel preached. I heard at that tender age that Jesus Christ was the son of God. That not once did he ever, ever sin. Not once. Isn't that amazing? Through his whole life. Not even as that two-year-old, that three-year-old, that teenager. Teenager without sin. What a pleasure. (laughs) But he never sinned. And yet he died. He didn't deserve to die. And as he hung upon that cross, the Bible tells us many statements that Jesus said. But one that always impacts my life is that he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had been in perfect relationship with God for eternity with the Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created this world. They were always in relationship. When he walked this earth as man, 
Not God, but as man. He said, I do only those things I see the Father doing. He had a perfect relationship. But that, at that moment, on a date in history, around about AD 33-ish, we can't be exact, he hung upon that cross and he took upon his body. I don't know how he did it, but on that moment, he took on his body every rotten sin that I'd ever done and every rotten sin you've done and every rotten sin that this world has done. And he took the punishment and the blame for that. And he died. And at that moment, it said that Almighty God could not look upon him because God is holy. And in his presence, there's no sin and nothing unclean. So when he bore upon uh, his body all that horrible grot of the centuries, God turned his back upon his son. And he did it because he wants you and I to be in relationship with him. And I've known that joy since the age of 11, of being restored to right relationship with God, of having my sin forgiven, of acknowledging that Jesus bore on his body my sin. Everything I took that I shouldn't have took when I was a child. Every lie I told. Every time I defied my parents. Okay, I hadn't sort of done a bank robbery at the age of 11, but there was sin in my life. And it may be that you've never done anything dreadful, but the reality is there's still sin in our lives which affects us and pull us down. And we're not quite the person we ought to be. When I was ill and constantly getting these infections, I was not the person I wanted to be. Sally will tell you that. Because I got so frustrated, I would tell Sally all my frustrations because I hated it. I wanted to do things I couldn't do. I wanted to be things I couldn't be because I was feeling ill all the time. And you know, God designed us for freedom and relationship with himself. But sin gets in the way and we have to get that dealt with. And I want to ask you tonight... Have you ever come to Jesus and asked him to forgive you and to restore you and bring you into relationship with God? Or we can try harder. We can make another attempt at being what we want to be. But there's only one real way to deal with it. And that's to have that sin removed from our lives. And I just want to stop right now before I go any further. And I want to challenge each one of us. I had to face it at the age of 11 that I was a sinner in need of a saviour and I needed to come into right relationship with the loving God. That was the only thing that would cause me to be the person I wanted to be and God wanted me to be. And that is a path each one of us has to take. We can choose to take it and we can choose to reject it. I could have lay on that hospital bed and the surgeon could have said, yeah, we've done the scan, it's definitely appendix. And I could have said, thank you very much and gone home. I would have died. And you can say, yeah, there may be a sin in my life, but I'm not sure about this Jesus on the cross for me. Thank you very much. And the reality is, if you were dying tonight, you would not have eternity with God. And I just want us to just stop and close our eyes and to think. Have you done that in your life? Have you come to God and asked for your sins to be forgiven? Ask for him to restore you and bring you into right relationship with God. To give you eternal life. And if you haven't, why not do it right now? Why not do it right now? I'm going to say a simple prayer. And if you want to do this, and you just pray it quietly in your mind to God. And ask him to forgive you. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sin, he's faithful. He's just. And not only will he forgive us our sin, but he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
Dear God, I hadn't realized that my attitude and my actions offended you, kept me from you. But right now I admit that I'm a sinner. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross and carried all my sin and took the punishment of death so that I can live. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me and bring me into relationship with yourself? I want to live a life now for you and not just for me. And will you give me your Holy Spirit to help me to walk in your ways? Amen. Keep your eyes closed first. If that was you, and you've done that for the first time, why don't you just pop up your hand? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But just to acknowledge to yourself and to God, yeah, I've done that. I've done that this evening. Just pop up your hand and pop it down again and say, wow, that was me. I did it at 11 years of age. I remember kneeling on the grass at the time and asking God to forgive me. Just pop up your hand and say, God, that's me. I want my sin removed and dealt with. I want to spend eternity with you. Okay, we'll move on. But just again to emphasize, there's no other way. It's got to be dealt with. It's got to be removed. There's no way, other way before God. As I said, for months before, I'd had nagging things and um, just things making me feel ill. But one Friday morning, I got up and I thought, oh, my tummy hurts. My tummy hurts. Nothing too bad. But it hurt. And then it moved its place. There was tummy appendix outside. It started like that, but I still never clicked. It started over here. And then it moved over here. And my whole body was shaking. And I remember going to bed and shaking in pain and thinking, I'll have a sleep. It'll go away. I remember I was in such a, a state that I, I, I was delirious with pain. And thinking, I'll just leave it a bit longer. It'll go away. And the reality was, it wouldn't go away. And it was then that I knew I needed help. And it may be for you that the day will come when you know you need help because there's nothing you can do but turn to God. The time came when I had to recognize that I needed to call upon that surgeon. It needed dealing with. And I remember waking up after having surgery and the joy of the pain being gone. I can see myself lying on the hospital bed going, oh, that pain's gone. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, no more horrible, horrible, horrible pain. It was great. Until I came to move. And then I discovered a new pain. The pain of the operation and the stitches and the healing that was now to take place. But you know what? It wasn't the same sort of pain. It wasn't the same sort of pain because I knew that it was a pain with a hope at the end of it. It was a pain with a hope at the end of it. And I just want to encourage us tonight. You, in your Christian walk, may have known the joy of sins forgiven. But somehow it seems that life can still be tough. And there's pains. A pain of healing and recovery 
is a unique pain. You see, once I had my appendix out, it began to show up other weaknesses in my body. I realized I got allergies to things, like the anesthetic and the medicines they were putting in me. And it seems that things were getting sort of almost worse rather than better. And when we come to Christ, we suddenly begin to realize that, in fact, we have got characteristic um, traits and things that need dealing with in our lives. And God loves to deal with those things. When he saves us and makes, brings us into relationship with himself, his one desire for you and I is that we become more and more and more like Jesus. More like him with his perfect character. Now, we're not going to make it this side of heaven. I've not yet met a Christian that doesn't sin. But I've met plenty that's known the forgiveness and the restoration and the joy of coming through it. When we come to Christ, there's things in our life he wants to deal with. And it can bring its own pain. It may be that before we knew him and lived in relationship with him and became his child, it was okay for us to be mean and to hold on to everything we'd got and not have a generous spirit. But now we're a child of God, and guess what? He's a generous God. He's a God that abounds and just loves to give. And he wants to make me like it. And that can be painful at times. Because it means I've got to start giving. It means I've got to start opening up my purse and and, and giving and blessing other people rather than being blessed myself. It means I've got to start taking a few risks instead of storing up and holding and holding and keeping. It may be that I lack patience. You lack patience, I don't know. But God lacks no patience. He's eternally patient. He abounds in patience. But now we've become his child. We've had that sin dealt with and removed. And he wants to make us more like himself. There's the old saying, I asked the Lord for patience. And he gave me seven children. That's painful, isn't it? (laughs) That teaches us patience. And the whole thing of, of learning patience and walking in life and becoming more like God can be painful. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable. But it's a pain worth going through. It's a walk worth going through. It's a change worth going through because it makes us more and more like him, the person he designed to be. It may be we get angry easily. Well, it's just how I am. My dad always got angry. I'm just like him. No, we have a new dad, a new heavenly father, and he wants to make us more like him. And so now we have to learn not to react and respond, and it's hard. And it's tough sometimes, I know. But he works in his own grace and his mercy to deal with this. But it brings its own pain. It may be that we like to defend ourselves and make ourselves look good and, and, and have a good front so everybody can admire us. But the Bible tells me that Jesus kept his mouth shut at times and let accusations be thrown at him and things said about him that were unjust. And he wants us to be like him. And that's painful. That's tough. That's his own pain. And we walk through these things in our Christian life, making us more and more and more like God, healing us. And it may be you're going through situations in your life which you'd rather not be going through. And you can be fed up of crying 
and fed up with feeling like you feel. I remember what it felt like to be fed up with being ill. But you know, if we don't allow God to deal with things in our lives, in our character, and in our nature, it would be just as foolish as me not allowing that surgeon to remove my appendix. This pain is not a pain of sin and sickness and of death. It's a pain of healing and of life and of wholeness. And it's a great pain. I want to just turn to a couple of verses, if we can, in Romans 8. Again, I'm in the message. 29. It says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him, Jesus. And God made the decision of what his children should be like. He followed it up by calling people by name. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. You know the day we came to Christ, he began a work in us. It tells us in Philippians that he's going to complete that work. And at times it will bring its own pain. But I want to encourage you, don't kick against it, but allow the Holy Spirit to pour in the oil of healing, that balm of healing, that soothing oil, and change us and make us more like him. Because one day each one of us is going to stand before Almighty God, every single person on this planet. It tells us in Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Kings, rulers, prime ministers, bank robbers, sexual offenders, every single person will bow the knee before him, will give account to him. Now, those of us that have accepted his forgiveness and have made him our saviour, He will look at us, not because I'm good and super spiritual and righteous, but he'll look in my heart and my life and my spirit and he'll see his own dear son and he'll accept me because I accepted him. If he doesn't see the image of his son within us, then he cannot accept us. But you know, the more and more and more he makes us like himself, then what a glorious transition to step from this world into glory. Being more like Jesus each day as we grow. So I want to encourage you really this evening. It sounds a bit depressing in a way, doesn't it, to talk about pain and sickness. But if you're going through a rough time at the minute, and you think, oh, I don't like this pain. I don't like what this is doing. Hand it over to God and just simply say, Lord, whatever's going on, I don't even fully understand what's going on. But will you make me more like Jesus in this? Will you refine my character and my nature to be more like you? And I know that you're going to stand with me till the end. You're not going to leave me to get on with it by myself, but you're going to be faithful and stand with me because he's a loving father we can trust. He will not take us through what we can't bear, but he does want to make us more like him.
be great, wouldn't it, if every day brought no problems, no hassle. I'd love to say to you tonight, come to Jesus and life will be great. You'll never have another problem again. You'll never want for anything. You'll never be in need. You'll never be sick. But that wouldn't make us anything like Jesus. That would just make us more and more self-centered. He wants us to be like him. But as we go through those tough times, he refines us and changes us to make us like him. And it's an end with hope. It's an end with a certainty. It's an end with wholeness. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have called us by name. You have made us your children. Thank you that you've forgiven us. But Father, right now I pray for each person here, whatever they're going through at the moment, that you'll breathe by your Holy Spirit and cause each one of us to be more and more like Jesus. He says, after God made the decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. After getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he has begun. And Lord, I claim that this evening for each one of us, that you have established us. You've stayed with us, and you will stay with us right to the end, gloriously completing what you have begun in each one of our lives. And Lord, may each one of us be more and more like Jesus each day. In fact, Lord, we say thank you for some of these situations we go through because we know you're completing your purposes in our lives. Amen.